This is Customer Experience Leaders, a podcast produced by Rated. It's a show where we reveal the secrets of how great brands delight their customers. I learned at a very young age that engaged, happy people will deliver everything in their power and will go that extra mile. And I saw very quickly the power of people with the right attitudes, what that can do to a company, what that can do to a brand. That's the voice of Steven Zeiger. He's the Managing Director of Sunlight Mitre 10. I'm your host, Adam Jaffrey. Hi there, I'm Michael Momsen. So, Mitre 10 is a hardware chain in Australia, one of the major competitors to Bunnings. And I should mention for our international guests, in the show, he mentions the other little green guys, and he's not talking about aliens. He's actually referring <laughs> to Bunnings, which is the major competitor. But, uh, you know, Mitre 10 really differentiate themselves on you know, delivering great service and a very local store type attitude, as opposed to kind of mass big brand. And I think that really comes through in today's interview. We chat to Stephen about why company culture has such a profound impact on the end customer. And we delve into what does it take for frontline staff to deliver amazing experiences? You know, this is such a great point. I mean, although we're very much talking about retail in this scenario, pretty much anyone that you have that is engaging front-facing, it could be someone in accounts that is dealing with customers, it could be, you know, some of your sales reps. How do you ensure that anyone that is customer interacting is actually delivering that great experience? There are lots of really, really, really great uh, practical tips in this show for you. And we started the show by asking Stephen, how do you get your frontline staff having a service-orientated mindset? It all starts in the recruitment. I do all the recruitment and I like to meet everyone that comes into this company. I see a huge part of my role being the keeper of the culture, you know, the keeper of the harmony in the place. So it's really important that I meet everyone. And very quickly, I can ascertain whether someone wants just a job or someone wants to come on board to really deliver and to really serve and to really want to connect and assist and deliver outstanding experience. So it starts from the recruitment. I am seeing thousands of people all the time. We've got ads up all the time and it's almost like I'm searching for talent and I recruit a lot of people that I see when I'm out and about. If I am enjoying an experience where I'm at a barista and I notice that barista is amazing, I will very often hand over my business card or one of my key staff who I have today who is one of my regional managers, she was recruited from the Sydney fish markets where she was... (laughs) I love that. She was literally serving me um, salmon and the next week I walk back in and she said, there's no fresh salmon for you. And I said, yes, there is. I can see it. She's like, not fresh enough. I'll get some from out the back. She brought in some fresh salmon for me and we started, you know, a dialogue and friendship. And now she's, yeah, she worked her way up in the company. So it's definitely in the recruitment and it's an attitude. So does that mean that you have, do you have ads going even if you're not specifically hiring? So you're basically almost canvassing a pipeline of talent regardless of when the role may or may not be ready? Correct. We're constantly canvassing. So right now, if you were to go into Seek, you will see ads for um, a variety of positions. And I very often get asked from staff, who, who are you hiring now? <laughs> <laughs> they get a little bit scared. What store are you looking for a manager? 
We do not use that as a fear tactic at all. No, it's a pipeline thing of talent. Correct. It's constantly looking for talent. I could open up a recruitment firm based on the amount of people I see and what I do with people. So it is definitely one of our strategies within the company to ensure that we are delivering great customer services to recruitment. So let's just say you've got this, you know, this great recruitment pool happening and you've, you've hired the right people. How do you then ensure that you have that consistency of experience? After we hire, we ensure that everyone comes on board. They go through an induction process, which is a fun booklet that they read that tells them information on who we are, our company vision, our values, customer promise, as well as, I guess, rules. And I don't like to use the term rules. However, I'll say that they're more a guideline to ensure that we're all on the same page and we've got a very common mutual understanding of how things need to be. Mm. So there's induction and then there's training. Everyone within the company does e-learning, which is an online platform provided by MITRE 10. We also use an acronym within the company. It's called GREAT, which stands for Greet, Reason, Explain, Ask and Thank. And we actively use that acronym on a daily basis within the company. And we also have a coaching template that the managers and assistants will use to ensure that we are using great all the time. We also have at every single counter, we have iPads by Rate It, where we collect data, receive useful information based on how the customers are feeling or how the customers are transacting with us. And our team are very aware of Rate It and to the point we use Rate It as a feedback mechanism and they know that their service is being rated and it's something that is discussed and we aim to ensure that most of our customers are having a great experience where the customers are fans. No, that's great. And I should mention that there's no plug intended uh, for Rated, even though my company sponsors this podcast. That's very kind of you to say that, Stephen. Could you describe a little bit about how the, the team is structured and how you see that in terms of staff then being empowered and enabled to be able to deliver great service? Traditionally, within companies, you see a hierarchy where you see an MD sitting at the top. And I guess at the bottom of a triangle, you might see salespeople, frontline, customer service, experience people. I see it the other way around where I see our customer facing team members. They're the most important aspect of everything we do. So tying back into customers are everything we do within our DNA. Since they are responsible for dealing with our customers daily, they're at the top. And I say to my managers, assistant managers, regional managers that It's their roles to give the people at the front everything that they need to ensure that they can do their roles. So they need to be happy. They need to have the tools. They need to feel empowered. They need to feel like they're connecting to the business. They need to be in their zone so that they can deliver an outstanding experience every time. So I guess I see myself as at the bottom of the pyramid where, you know, I steer the ship within the company. However, it's really important for me to make sure that the guys that report into me are in the zone, that they can share the vision, they can see where we're going, that they're living and breathing the values, that they have their tools, that they are motivated, that they can motivate everyone else to make sure that we are all going in the same direction. 
So it's interesting the way you describe that. It's an inverse pyramid. You're at the bottom. And as you kind of go upwards, you have decreasing seniority in terms of, you know, a hierarchy of an organization. But it's almost like it's increasing customer contact and increasing ability to impact the customer's experience. And so, as you go up that pyramid vertically, you end up at frontline staff at the very top being the most important people within the organization. And then above that, I guess you have the customers that you actually deal with every day, right? They're kind of probably the pinnacle of the whole thing. Absolutely. This is a really nice illustration of enabling staff to make decisions and giving them empowerment because, you know, to be able to deliver great service... Staff need to feel empowered and able to make decisions and able to do things that are maybe a little bit outside the scope of their normal role, but, you know, going that extra mile, kind of like the example you told us earlier of the fresh fish. Are there any other ways or or tools or ethoses that you employ internally that enables empowerment of staff so that they can really go above and beyond and delight customers? Everyone in the company knows that customers are the most important thing. We are retail convenience hardware. And, you know, a lot of people ask me all the time, who is your competition? And I genuinely, when I answer that question, I don't see us as having too much competition. However, you know, people would say that our competition are the big green guys. (laughs) And I always say that we don't have competition because we are so focused on delivering an outstanding experience every time. And our guys know that it's everything we do. Maybe let's explore exactly how your team knows that. So, you know, you've used some really great phrases like the team just know that the customer is the most important, you know, they're fully empowered, they're at the top of the (laughs) inverse pyramid to, you know, really lead the charge. I suppose like a a couple of things would be, you know, how do they know that and what tools and, and scope are they given to be able to make those decisions to be able to delight customers? I think that genuinely starts with our team understanding the why, understanding our purpose. And they understand our purpose to exist, which is to help customers, to give customers an outstanding experience. In our organization, you would say that there's a lot of coaching and feedback constantly. And the word customer experience is used every day. It's probably every fifth sentence internally. So we're focused on it. And it's the language. And it's just a daily thing that we live and breathe. We also celebrate wins and feedback. So the positive comments that we get through our mystery shoppers results, the positive comments that we get through Rate It, the Google reviews that we constantly are receiving. We celebrate, we share, we reward our team members with gift vouchers and you know, we promote people who have fantastic attitudes. So it's just something that it's just there. It's We live it, we breathe it, we do it. it- we should probably talk about celebrating stuff because I think, you know, the, the easy one to jump onto is when things go wrong because they're so clear and emotive. Do you have any examples or, or, or stories that come to mind where, you know, maybe you've surprised stuff or, you know, you've gone out to yeah, just sort of highlight a great example? To be honest with you, we have examples all the time. Like last night, I received an email from Mitre 10 head office about, an amazing customer experience at the Newtown store. And straight away, I received the email and I forwarded it on to a couple of different staff people with emojis of clapping hands, well done. And that staff member who was probably serving the customer will probably get rewarded with a gift voucher. You know, when we won store of the year in Paddington, you know, we celebrated by taking the team out and doing lunch and 
it's constantly, you know, congratulations and giving the team everything that they want. It's interesting because it's really easy to jump on the the negatives. And so, that little example that you just gave us there is a really great window into like, hey, like this small gesture, which goes a long way to appreciating that above and beyond effort that a staff member went to. We're kind of glossing over it here, but like that is really important because- Making sure that staff are appreciated and feel good about the work that they're doing is is super important. Are there other ways, Stephen, that you reward staff or, or kind of KPI them to make sure that they're delivering great service? The key KPIs within our company are rated results, our mystery shopping results, and Google reviews. Those three are specifically around the customer experience piece. They're not sales oriented. Yeah. Which is really important, right? <laughs> Yeah, well, sales is in there at certain levels of management, but for frontline guys, it's about experience. The sales is a byproduct of the customer experience. So, if we deliver that experience, the sales come. And out of interest, like, because it's an important philosophical standpoint, which is you're going to focus on the inputs as opposed to the outputs. So, the inputs are hiring the right staff, ensuring they're delivering great customer experience getting them trained, coached and equipped. And then you know that the outputs will look after themselves, which is not how a lot of people think. A lot of people think outputs down and sort of getting the guys to sort of strong arm outputs, which is, you know, sell more or what have you. Where did this even come about actually? Like your your sort of relentless focus on getting the inputs right first and knowing that the results will look after themselves. I think the culture piece, me understanding culture came from my experience when I was um, in the telecommunications industry. I learned at a very young age that engaged, happy people will deliver everything in their power and will go that extra mile. And I saw very quickly the power of people with the right attitudes and people who are connected to a vision and living values what that can do to a company's results, what that can do to a brand. That is a very big focus of mine. Having said that, it's if you don't have a product, it won't work. So you need to have the product. You need to have the basics right because if you don't have a product, then you don't really have an empowered team to sell something that they believe in. Right. So the in-store experience, which is merchandising, lighting, what the customer sees within the store environment, making sure that you know there are no out-of-stocks, making sure that we have the right range, that the range tells a story. If we didn't have that in place, then having the best attitude won't help. So, the two go hand in hand. So, Stephen, welcome to the Quickfire Round, where we ask you quick questions and you've got 10 seconds to answer. How are you feeling right now? Good. feel fantastic. <laughs> a lot of our guests are a bit nervous, so uh, I'm glad that you're feeling positive. All right. Your time starts at the end of the first question. Stephen, what company has wowed you recently? Um, Apple. Apple's a good answer. If you had a celebrity lookalike, who would it be? I've been told it's um, a guy, Adam, from... Adam Levine from yeah, Maroon 5. I see that. Yes, yes, that's it. Actually, at a Christmas party, one of my team members' wives came up to me and just kept taking photos of me saying that I look completely like Adam Levine. I'm like, oh my God, I didn't even know who he is. So. Where do you go to upskill books, YouTube, podcasts, other? Upskill would probably be um, different publications that I subscribe to via email. 
some podcasts, um, and YouTube. Which publications out of interest? Um, Elephant Journal. I get that daily and I find that fascinating. It's very much about mindfulness um, and very conscious living type thing. What brand do you look to as an example of great customer experience? Yeah, I can. I, I think a brand that I believe is great would be Lululemon. From my perspective, every time as a customer going into Lululemon, um, I feel very, very connected to their brand, and also I feel as though they always deliver outstanding service, and I just feel part of the Lululemon community. If you were an Olympic athlete, what sport would you compete in? If I was an Olympic athlete, what sport would I compete in? Gymnastics. Stephen, what skill are you terrible at? I am probably terrible at reading plans, like floor plans. Hopefully you don't do too many store redesigns. Exactly. That's the, that is the issue. I have a lot, lot of architects and designers talk to me and I'm like, can you please... I don't understand what you're saying. Like, you really need to break it down. And you need to draw it in an elevation for me because I don't... I can't see it. The magic of 3D models. Yeah, it's actually called spatial awareness. I, don't, I lack spatial awareness. <laughs> <laughs> and lastly, Stephen, what's your guilty pleasure? Chocolate and ice cream. Sweets. I can get on board with that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have any examples of, you know, where you've, you know, made investments where maybe others or outsiders sort of thought, mm, like, you don't have a clear return on that and then it paid off? Because I think one of the things that a lot of people are challenged with is that they philosophically may agree with this. But frankly, it takes business guts to make some of these investments into great customer experience. Do you have any, any stories where, yeah, you've invested in something, whether it be a store layout or a program where people externally were kind of quite doubtful and then you proved them all wrong? <laughs> I definitely have examples of this. There is a program that is run within the MITRE 10 network and it's basically a store acceleration program where owners within the network invest into redoing their store in terms of their layout. So investing in new, new fixtures, brightening the store up, investing in experience, signage, making sure that everyone is involved in you know training, development, the e-learning, store standards. It's really a like check the box type program to make sure that you are delivering. And there's a substantial cost to it where it would probably scare a lot of people, especially in regards to the reinvesting into the fixtures and fittings and lighting and painting and all that. I'm in the middle of doing a refurb, doing that program in our Pitt Street store at the moment. That should be finished in two months. But, but last year, we completed our York Street program and it was significant investment. And the next month after we completed the program, um, sales uplifted by 22%. And that's huge. And I received lots of questions and people asking why. I don't understand why. How, how is this happening? And it's simply about customer experience. It's today, the customer has many options. They can go online. They can go anywhere they want. They have power. And we are at a time when it's not just about opening up a store and having entitlement that a customer is going to come and buy from me. For me to 
expect or want a customer to shop with me and stay with me, I have to create an environment that is sticky, an environment that they want to come, feel great, feel comfortable, feel connected and want to return. And that's what this whole program's about. So it's a 360-degree approach where it's not just about the in-store experience, which is the investment, but it's about the staff, the team, what they're learning, being connected to the vision, values and housekeeping standards. I couldn't agree more. (laughs) That was so eloquently summed up. Stephen, I think you summarized that incredibly well. And it's isn't it great to actually have the results that stand behind it as well, right? Like, you know, you make the big call and I'm sure that was a sizable amount to, you know, refurb a big inner city Sydney CBD store and it pays off like the numbers show. So, it's almost like there's an expectation that customers will just come in where well, that expectation isn't there anymore. You have to create an environment where they come in and make that experience really enjoyable end to end. So, that's, that was really good. It's funny you say that I was in a conference call with the store development team at Mitre 10 and we were talking about a specific wall at the Pitt Street store and talking about the treatment and what we want to do on that wall. And I said, I want to do a video wall. And they were talking about ROI and return on investment on that video wall. And I said, nothing that I'm going to say is going to deliver a tangible ROI in what you're traditionally thinking about. So... My ROI is about stickiness and it's about doing things that will create a wow experience that make people think, wow, this is amazing and I want to come back. Mm, mm. So it's really hard to measure ROI on these items. But it's what brands like Zara do in store in all their European locations. It creates a wow experience that people want to come back again and again. How do you parse those initiatives, like deciding which ones you do? Like, is that your own intuition of going, this is something that, you know, I would like as a customer and I can see my customers liking that? You know, do you run focus groups? Do you do any kind of testing before? Or is it just something that is quite clear to you about what it would take for it to be a great in-store experience? It's usually my intuition and usually what I would want and what I would think this is wow. So, I don't run any formal groups or do any research. It's usually me thinking and constantly challenging myself to think what can be amazing in here? What can make this experience better? Well, Stephen, thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, it was great. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Awesome. Another great show. It was really wonderful talking with Stephen. Actually, just before we go into the debrief and and share our takeaways, I do want to give a quick little disclosure in that, yes, Stephen is a rated customer, but in no way was he uh, primed to to plug us. Um, You know, the goal of this show is not to plug rated, although rated my company sponsors this. You know, we don't want to do any kind of hard selling on it. Stephen is just genuinely passionate about customer experience and, um, you know, uses our product as one of the tools in the mix to delight his customers. I actually connected with Stephen on LinkedIn. He reached out and, and said hi as a fan of the show and we got talking and I thought he'd be a really great guest to come on uh, before I even discovered from you, Michael, that, that he was a, a rated customer. There you go. <laughs> so, why don't we jump into the takeaways from this episode? Yeah, awesome. As a theme for this, it was really all about the inputs. You know, he focused on the inputs and the activities. Yeah knowing that the outputs will look after themselves. And there's probably some famous quote out there that I have come across, which is, you know, focus on the inputs and the activities and the training and the scoreboard will look after itself. And that really came to life here. And so, I think, you know, one of the inputs that really stood out for me was this fanatical obsession around hiring and actually having a pipeline of hiring. It's the first 
time that we've heard a guest on the show uh, actually having ads up and actively hiring regardless of whether they have a role. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and a standout is the fact that, you know, he's hired, you know, folks from his local coffee shop and what have you because that service mentality comes to life and that's what he needed. You know, in fact, two of our outstanding staff members were Uber drivers of mine <laughs> um, and now do something completely unrelated because I was just like, this person is the exact fit that we need, you know, culturally and DNA and service mindset, etc. And so I think having that hiring pipeline and having that fanatical obsession about the right staff is very much the foundation of the inputs. The second takeaway, one that I uh, really liked was when Stephen talked about rewarding staff and there was a range of different ways that they would do this. There was gift cards, just uh, passing the feedback along, but it was really all about heroing when things go well. I think sometimes we get caught up a little bit in coaching staff uh, and thinking that our role as management is to coach staff to be better. But what that does is it kind of overlooks the fact that sometimes they do really great things without us even uh, contributing to that. And we really need to focus and and hero that because uh, that is what builds a culture of service-oriented people. The third one for me was bringing the voice of the customer into the heart of the operating rhythm. So, you know, he very much, whether it was Google reviews, whether it was from our platform rated, et cetera, you know, really listening to what customers were saying and then integrating that into the rhythm of the organization. Because I think it's one thing to say, oh, customers are so important, customers are so important. But when you're taking what they're saying and you're bringing that to life on a daily basis, it makes it a lot more tangible and it makes it a lot clearer of, you know, what exactly the impact is. Yeah, totally. And then the last one was about ROI. And uh, there's this great quote from Stephen that uh, really resonated with me. He said, there's no ROI on wow moments or wow experiences. And he's right. Like, you know, quite often you can't make the spreadsheet justify those kind of wow experiences, the, the delightful moments that really bring joy to customers. But sometimes you've just got to do it anyway, because you know that... If you get the input right, the output will take care of itself. That can be things like making sure the store layout and the merchandising is really well presented. Sometimes the numbers don't stack up, but uh, you've just got to do it anyway. Awesome. So, should we, uh, should we wrap that up? Yeah, let's run through them really quick. So, the first one, getting the inputs right, is having a fanatical obsession about hiring the right people. Secondly, make sure you make superheroes of when staff do amazing things. And the third one is bringing voice of the customer feedback to life in a daily way in your rhythm of business. And finally, sometimes there's no ROI on wow experiences, but you should invest anyway. Nice one. Well, that's a wrap. That is. As Stephen did, please get in contact with Michael and myself on LinkedIn we love to hear from the customer experience leaders, fans, and it's a great way for you to, uh, to check in with us and tell us what we're doing well and any suggestions or feedback that you have. I'm Adam Jaffrey. And you can find me on LinkedIn. Just search Michael Momsen, M-O-M for Mary, S-E-N for Nelly. Thanks. We'll speak to you next time. See ya. Thanks for listening. Customer Experience Leaders is produced by Rateit, the market leader in on-the-spot customer feedback. Rateit has a range of ways for businesses to collect feedback in the moment of a transaction taking place rather than through mystery shoppers or, or email surveys later on. So, the data is much more valuable and relevant. To find out more or speak to someone in the team, head to rateitapp.com. That's R-A-T-E-I-T-A-P-P.com. This show is produced in partnership with Wavelength Creative. This episode was produced by me, 
and Christopher Lawson, who also edited and mixed the episode. Our music is by Icolix, Peter Cooley, and The Shrugs. I'm Adam Jaffrey. Thanks for listening. We'll speak to you next time.